When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Purple Insider is presented by Liquid Death, delicious water that's bringing death to plastic. Learn more at liquiddeath.com insider. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here. And just before we get into the episode, want to apologize for the audio right at the beginning of the episode. I forgot to plug in my microphone. It happens from time to time. So it sounds a little bit echoey at the beginning, but uh, early in the episode, we got it fixed and went forward and it sounds just fine. So apologies for that. And here is the show with Jeremiah Searles. Matthew Collar here along with Jeremiah Searles. It is a Tuesday morning left guard show. Not on Tuesday morning because we were all traumatized on Monday night. But uh, I think it's a little bit different, Jeremiah, for myself, a reporter who sits in the press box, or other people who have come on the show, Courtney Cronin, Kevin Seifert, and somebody who knows players on the team, somebody who has been on that field. And I think we should start the show with your perspective of what you saw on Monday night and what that's like for somebody who went through those battles and risked their body many times going out on an NFL field to see that happen to somebody playing the game. You, you know, it's it's been said about 100 times, but, you know, I've just been in constant prayer for DeMar and his family and for everyone involved. And, you know, I just keep praying that God shows up in a big way in that guy's life. Um, and it, as terrible as it is, you know, just I just asked everyone keeps praying, um, whether you what you believe in or not. Um, you know, it's just thoughts and prayers to him always. But, you know, to really take a look at what happened from from my perspective was it was really strange. You know, you see him get hurt and you see it go down, it goes to commercial, right? And you're like, okay, guy probably got dinged, got a concussion. And, and the inner player in me, you have this little voice in the back of your head that's a coach going, oh, he's fine. All right, move it up 10, right? It's the old saying, like in practice, guy gets hurt, you move it up 10, you just keep going and you keep going. And when they came back from commercial and I could see the look on Stefan Diggs' eyes, on Josh Allen's eyes, Spencer Brown, who... I've played with all these guys. I've seen them. I know what it's like when they're emotional. And to see the fear that was on those guys' face, like it rattled me in a, in a big way. Um, you know, because I think people a lot of times are, or they see football players and we are, we're tough. We're in the moment. We're the men in the arena. We're the battles. But nothing can prepare you for that. You know, and so many people, I know I tweeted right away, cancel the game. Right, like cancel the game. You can't you can't keep playing this game. Like you can't ask these guys to literally watch their buddy die and be brought back to life and then be okay to go back out there and play a game. And you know, I had a lot of people surprisingly in my mentions that were like, Come on, they never cancel a game, be real to like we're not soldiers. The only people in the entire world that are trained for something like that are military soldiers. And you know, where you gotta think these guys are 22, 23, never worked a real job in their life. We've played a kid game our entire life. And to watch someone that you spend more time with 
than your family at this time of year. You see that guy every single day, seven days a week. You go to war with him on the bat, on the football field and you fight and you scratch and claw to see something like that. I don't know how you come back from it even within a week. And as terrible as it is, you know, just watching the images of Josh and, and Diggs will be ingrained in my brain forever. And I cannot... I cannot thank and put my hat off enough to Nate Bresky and the training staff for Buffalo, the first responders out there who literally saved that man's life and were able to react so quickly. And then also to Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor and them being able to understand the gravity of the situation enough to just look and say, we're not doing this. You know, we're, we're not putting our players out there. So I think that everyone involved from an administrative part of handling it did very well. Um, I think the medical was great and all that, but I just my I can't even start to think about how those players go back to work today to prepare for a game on Sunday. Right. I mean, that was so hard. They've never seen anything like that. I mean, they've seen people get hurt plenty of times, and all football players are hardened to even some pretty gnarly injuries. You know, I I was standing maybe 50 feet away from Blake Prohl when he broke his leg in training camp. And even me, you know, we've seen all these yeah. things. And I was like, oh, that's not good. But, you know, I mean, Blake Prohl's around. He's all right. And you always know that. With this one, we had no idea. And the more that they went to commercial, the more scary it got. It's like, wait a minute. They don't even want to show what's going on. And then you have the players and the looks on their faces completely. I mean, when they were having the discussion about warming up and potentially going back on the field, and I'll, I'll remember this the same way forever, when they showed Josh Allen and the look on his face just staring out into the field, it was like, that was for me the, okay, they can't continue this game because that's what the looks on the faces of these players are. And I think as we go forward here um, to play this week, which the NFL is going to, uh, it's going to be really hard for a lot of guys to have complete focus. I think it will help a lot if the positive things keep coming out um, from Cincinnati and his recovery, which he's still in critical condition as we do this, but every update has been going in the right direction. Uh, but still, I mean, I think this is going to be an incredibly difficult week for every single player who has to go back out there knowing that you, know, you can't just erase those images out of your head. Yeah, you know, and I, I can tell you this, you know, you know you take an inherent risk to play football. You do. And you hear guys all the time, I give everything to play at the NFL. I give everything. Not once did I strap my helmet on and think I may give my life to this game. You know, it's just nothing that crosses your mind because it's not – in a, in a way, it's not that serious. You know, it is not life or death. And it's why I have a huge issue a lot of times when guys compare it to the military at times, you know, because it's like, it's a little different. Like, I understand the team aspects, but, you know, we're not putting our lives on the line out here. And it's just kind of a sobering thought. You know, it's one hit away. It's one fluke crazy thing of hitting the chest, hitting your head. You know, Tua was a little scary kind of like that this year with his hit and Cincy. And it's just sobering, you know, and it puts into perspective a lot of things. And I think there's going to be a little bit of a semblance of kind of getting back into normalcy this weekend with guys going back and playing and sometimes it's good to have a slight bit of distraction um but you know i can't even start to think about what practice is like in buffalo right now in orchard park new york you know the guy who and you take it all the way down i mean i know for a fact because i play there in buffalo the guy's name is jeff the guy in the morning who makes your eggs and makes your stuff he makes it a point of emphasis to know every single person by name and know what they order in the morning you don't think this is affecting him like the guy that lockers next to demar 
You don't think this is affecting him in a lot? Like it just, it's such a trickle down effect that it affects everyone in such a big, huge, impactful, beyond football way that it's just really hard to just imagine football season continuing for the Buffalo Bills in, in that form. But, you know, as, as it says, like it must go on. It must keep going. Um, and unfortunately, that's going to have to be quicker than most want it to be. Um, but I just hope that those guys can rally around each other. And, and you know, Coach McDermott being a man of faith is going to really help this in that situation. Also, just how close that Buffalo team is, because you being from Buffalo, you understand there's not a lot going on up there. So that team really binds together. They live together. They do everything together. You know, so if they're going to be able to pull through this, it's because they pull each other through it. And I can't believe what that team's been through this oh year. My gosh. I mean, they were a huge part of the community effort following the mass shooting at a grocery store. They've had two deadly storms that have hit them and hit that community. And like you said about Buffalo, now this is true for every community with their football team, but the Buffalo Bills are Buffalo. Mm -hmm. Like that is what that it's the entire like fabric of the city is the Buffalo Bills. And so when anything happens and I've been there for this, I've seen this firsthand when there is a storm, when there is uh, you know, a tragedy or something. I mean, it is felt through the entire community, through that team. And so dealing with this, um, I'm not saying it means more than it would if it was a different team, but I think it's their connection to the community is maybe deeper than almost any team in the league because of the market size, the size of the city, and just so much that that team is their entire identity. Um, so it has been amazing to see uh, so many people step forward and donate to his charity. And, you know, I think, you know, if you're trying to think positive thoughts, it's like when he comes out of this, he's going to check his GoFundMe and mm. really be amazed. And so there is that that element that we keep getting, you know, positive updates and we'll just hope that, uh, this goes in the right way. Even if it's a long way to recovery, um, if he's able to recover, it'll be, I mean, thank God for all those people who were able to step up at the right times and, you know, be able to, to help resuscitate him and bring him back and get him to the trauma unit. I mean, it just can't be said enough, the job that those people did. So um, we have to carry on uh, with the talk. We've got a game. They're going to keep playing the game. We've got a game to kind of discuss that I haven't really talked anything about since this happened with uh, with Green Bay, but we got to go over it. So did you did you want to share any sort of final thoughts before we kind of move over to the football? Yeah, you know, the last thing I want to talk about is just how grateful I am for the NFL community. Um, you know, not just the players, but the fans. You know, I think it's really easy. You see the the videos of the Eagles and the Washington fans fighting in the stands. and But to see the NFL fandom, the NFL communities come together and rally behind something that so often it's about the money and it's about the ratings, but this was about a person. This is about a player, a human being. And to see the ability that football can bring people together in such a fantastic and beautiful way has been really exciting for me. Um, you know, in an era of which people think football is dying and all this stuff of guys getting hurt and whatnot, like this was such a beautiful way of showing everyone still has a lot of love for everyone involved in the NFL, everyone involved on the team. And I just think it's really cool of other communities. You know, you see Buffalo communities always pouring to Andy Dalton's charity when they beat the Jaguars or whatever it was. But to see the love and pour that's been poured back into the Bills and their community from outside all around the United States, I think has been a beautiful thing to see. Um, it's Great. And like I said, I'm really excited for when DeMar can wake up and see um, how things have been going in the direction for him. So, again, just thoughts and prayers to DeMar and his family, um, and to the Bills, their entire organization, everyone on that team. And uh, we just keep praying for this young man. 
It's sort of a reminder to that end of just how many people it takes to get somebody to the NFL. I mean, the all the the, the college coaches and uh, the teammates and everything else, like the number of people who have connections, even mm-hmm. with the Vikings, where Patrick Jones talked about working out with uh, DeMar when it was during COVID and you couldn't really work out as a team. So you kind of pick a buddy and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so there's so much that somebody goes through to even get to that point. And, you know, people were sharing it. I don't know if it's right to share or not, but like his, his, some of his posts before the game and like how big this is, was to him and how much it meant to him. Um, so hopefully it's not long before he's back playing for the Buffalo Bills. All right, let's circle back to Green Bay because I haven't been able to get your thoughts. And, um, well, it didn't go very well. Not Here's great. my question, though. Here's my question. You know how much gas it takes and how miserable the drive is <laughs> from here to Green Bay to watch that? I'm just, uh, you know, this is really about me uh, is the point. And, you know, I I got there a little later. I didn't even get the pregame meal. I mean, so at least they could have done was given me a competitive football game. Uh, how much does it mean? That's my question for you. How much does it matter? Because teams get blown out, bad things happen, week-to-week league, all that stuff. How much did this one matter? It mattered a ton. And I see people on social media are like, "This, I'm not worried. It doesn't matter. I, I'm worried. I've been saying it all year on this podcast that like I flirt on that line of like, I don't believe in this team. And they can win it all. you know. And for this game, everything that we've talked about that has somehow fallen on, you can call it luck, you can call it whatever you want. It all went awry this game. Everything that they've been doing well, everything that they've been able to pull off has just, it wasn't working this game. That's not what you want as you head into the playoffs. That's not what you need as you go into the playoffs, especially when you're talking about a team in Green Bay who's trying to limp their way into the playoffs, not talking about the number two seed in the NFL. You know, and I think this would be a very different conversation if. This was a very close game, competitive down to the end and and one or two things. But, I mean, you block a punt and you still – like you have all these things that could have went right and it they just didn't. The, the biggest loss in this game, the number one biggest loss is Brian O'Neill. You know, that is the number one biggest issue that I had coming out of this game because, yeah, you can fix X's nose, but you can't fix personnel. And we talk about all the time, can't win championships without championship tackles. And we've seen it when Darisaw has been dinged up. There's been a drop off. Now you lose Bradbury and then you lose the second string center. You know, the third string center, there's snap count issues going on now. And then you lose your all pro right tackle. Like that's the, that, the injury bug is catching this team at the wrong time when some of the other teams are kind of getting themselves healthy, a la the Chargers, you know. And so I'm very concerned about this team. I'm very concerned about how they're going to move forward. I'm very concerned about their ability to close out games when Justin Jefferson can't get open. And it's just starting to kind of, although the point differentials now dip down way into the negatives, you know, all the things that we've talked about that were eventually we felt we're going to catch up with this team are all seeming to catch up here in the last two weeks of the season. Yeah, I think anytime you have a game like this, you sort of try to parse through like what matters toward the future and what doesn't, mm-hmm. right? So you look at, okay, does it matter that you know they threw a wobbly interception where Justin Jefferson fell down? Like, no, that was bad luck, and that really turned the game. Um, kick return for touchdown, that probably won't happen again. There's like three a year in the entire NFL, and somehow the Vikings have been part of two of them. <laughs> so, okay, all right, so some of that badness you can kind of wipe out as random in the same way we've talked about random events that have helped the Vikings uh, against Indian Green Bay. That regression to the random came back and hit them in the face. But what's not random is that opposing teams can pressure the quarterback, and now it's going to get worse. And with Garrett Bradbury – 
Um, Kevin O'Connell has not been willing to say, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to be back for the playoffs. I mean, a back issue is something that's very hard to resolve, but especially hard to resolve for an offensive lineman um, because of the amount of just bending and twisting Mm -hmm. and everything else. And just even like think about anchoring and how much you have to like bend your back just to do that effectively. And oh, by the way, they're probably going to play Dexter Lawrence. So, I mean, this is really hard. I'd love you to speak to playing center though, because I know you didn't, I don't think you ever played it in a game, but it was something that you prepared to play um, in your career because you needed to know all the positions to like exist in the NFL. I mean, because Chris Reed got a lot of heat. I just thought that position is so difficult. And if you didn't practice it at all, I mean, I don't know how anybody can just go in and set the protections and the snap counts at Lambeau Field. So he'll have some time to prepare for for this week, and maybe that will help him. But that's not a position you could just snap your fingers and you're a center. No, it's the. I mean, it goes left tackle is the hardest position on the field, and then right tackle and center are very much tied for second. You know, it's one of those things where if it's not natural to you, and I tell people this all the time that want to play center. You know, you have to snap so much that you don't think about the snap. But when you're not a natural center, it's all you can think about. It's literally like, I just have to make sure this ball gets from the ground to the quarterback. And when that's your main focus, you're not looking at safeties. You're not looking at linebackers. You're not looking at things. And things are happening so fast that it's impossible for you to go out there and be able to perform at the level that you need to. Now, you can be serviceable. And that's, I mean, Reed was serviceable. He got the ball to the quarterback and we were able to do things. But in order to win games, especially in the playoffs, you can't just be a serviceable center. You have to be out there and be, have command. You have to command everything. You have to be confident in your points. You have to be confident in the places that you're lining guys up and shifting things and changing things. And when that's just not a natural thing because you haven't done it a lot, it's a lot to ask of a guy, even a veteran like Reed. You know, so as much heat as he's catching, I, I blame no blame at his feet none you know that's that's an impossible situation to get thrown into and asked to go out there and excel i thought he did exceptional for the position that he was put in now there's some things technique wise getting pushed around and those type of things that he's gonna have to clean up but this is really also the first like live bullets he's seen all year you know so that's another factor into it so one week of getting everything getting settled getting more rapport with kirk getting more rapport with the snap counts and everything that's going to help a ton in just the operational side of it but i don't think it's fair to us to expect for him to come out next week and just blow the doors off of being a center and just elevating his game so high because it's just such a difficult position to play and even more difficult to master folks if your new year's resolution was to treat yourself a little bit better i've got a suggestion death that is liquid death actually because it's a delicious mountain water that comes in a tall boy can and i am telling you it just tastes different it's ice cold and much better than water that tastes like a plastic bottle in fact liquid death hated plastic bottles so much that was what inspired their name they also give a portion of profits to end plastic because cans are so much easier to recycle so if you want to give it a try nudge along that new year's resolution maybe put the soda aside and give liquid death a try go to hy-vee target whole foods wherever you get your groceries or go to liquiddeath.com insider that is liquiddeath.com insider and find out where you can get liquid death today another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. And uh, this is also a position that plays such a huge role in the run game as well, which when I watched back, I thought, other than actually not snapping the ball on several plays, which you... <laughs> Look, I mean, just throw it back there at some point. (laughs) I mean, watching it live was sort of like, okay, are you going to? No, just not going to happen. Just going to hang on to that thing. This is my ball. To be fair, I would rather take a delay game penalty than snap it for when the quarterback's not ready or I don't think he's ready. You know, the the lesser of two evils is five yards, survive and fall back and punt versus, oh my gosh, it's over Kirk's head and now they scoop and score. Like, I will take that. And I do think that's the kind of stuff that will get cleaned up this week. Yes, I do think that. But I have to say, just from like funny football stuff, you would expect that to kind of happen in like a peewee game where you're there like, Timmy, snap it, throw it to him. (laughs) And you're like, no, I don't know. I am not Uh, sure. Is it the right time? It's the best call in football, the false start, everyone but the center. It's Uh, it's the best referee call of all time. And they throw the flag and they're just like, it's everyone but the guy with the ball between his legs. You, shame, shame. Yeah, poor Ezra Cleveland got banged for a couple of penalties there. (laughs) He's got that on his record. They're like, oh, you know, it's tough year. He got penalized like eight times, like maybe more like six. Uh, Those weren't his fault. But, you know, I do think that uh, a week of practice can help those two, but I don't think it can resolve the issues. Even a game against the Bears, who, let's be honest here, are not exactly sending Leonard Williams out to play against them. So getting Bradbury back seems like it's vital. But the other reason, too, is also that Bradbury and Kirk have been playing together a long time now. And those two have a rapport. They understand how those calls go. And even Austin Schlopman, I would say that he got pushed around quite a bit in pass pro and it was problematic. But it didn't look like the O-line was confused. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, you know that this is this is also, and I'm assuming Giants, you know, who knows? But, like, that's the most blitzing team in the league. Like, there's just so many things that are going to go on there. And I think, you know, Bradbury may try to play, and you hope that he's healthy enough to do it uh, if you're the Vikings. But, I mean, it's just a tough situation if he's not at 100% or you have to play a guy facing a team that sends blitzes from everywhere and he's got to do all that stuff or you have to put way more on Kirk Cousins plate like there is such a domino effect to that and oh by the way your right tackle can't be trusted I mean Blake Brandle we thought uh did a decent job and he allowed seven sacks uh in the time that he was in in I think five appearances I mean Ole Udo was the I ran this yesterday uh maybe third lowest graded tackle in the two games that he played tackle for those two weeks in the NFL. There's Beautiful. no good answers. The NFL since your retirement does not have any backups that are viable <laughs> uh, <laughs> that can come in. Rashad Hill ain't walking through that door. I mean honestly like it's just a tough situation now and there's no like well maybe O'Neal can heal because it's that Achilles thing he's just done. Yeah, there's no he's not coming back this year and rightfully so, you know, so it's more piecemeal now. And and that shifts the offense now. Right. Like we talked about it last week of putting um, TJ Hawkinson out as a receiver. Right. Having him split out. Might need you in there to chip now, bud. Right. Like we might we might need you. Hey, Dalvin, you might have to stay in a little bit more. We might have to do a little bit more of max protections type of things. Right. So it shifts everything when you lose a guy that you can just trust on their side to be like one on one matchup, block him move on to the next thing it now adds something completely different into how you game plan and how you set formations and how you set protections and all that things and then now you're now hanging other guys out right it's like hey we really have to protect 
our right side. Now, Ezra, you're going to get way more one-on-ones, right? Hey, Darisaw, if, if you're good, where you understand you're good, but we can't slide to you if you're playing against an all-pro guy over there, right? It doesn't matter. You know, so there's going to be pieces that um, fall into this offensive line. But like you said, with the run game too, I mean, the run game is generated by the guys in the middle. You know, the tackles can widen the holes. They can stretch it with the pin and pull stuff and and do all of that. But if you can't generate push in the middle against these big nose guards and these three techniques, like the run game's dead before it even begins. And let's, I mean, we weren't a very like stellar run game to start with, but going into the playoffs, man, controlling clock, controlling time of possession when running the football is so important. And when you're on your third string center and your second stream right tackle, like it's not something you think is going to be able to be something you rely on as you head into the, uh, to January. Uh, here's a guess what that stat is. Mm. I have a song for it. Um, but uh, where do you think in expected points added the Vikings rank in the run game this year? 30th. Uh, you are close. They are 26. Mm, What's uh, uh, put on my Seinfeld hat? What's the deal with the run game? I mean, I, I just, is it, is it like, should we pie chart the thing? Like, is it Kevin O'Connell doesn't care about running? Is it Delvin cook has lost a step, which there was a chart that was out there the other day about rushing yards over expected. And he was toward the bottom of the league, meaning that even what the offensive line gives him, he's not getting anymore which would just sort of go to the typical age curve of a running back and he's had a lot of carries he's he we've we it's like every year we try to tell him don't overuse delvin cook early in the season and coaches are like oh no we won't we would never and then oh he's got 250 again in december you know and that that has happened to him as well uh and this would be a game again they're going to play starters but like to sit delvin cook would probably be a good idea but so is it O'Connell doesn't care. Offensive line isn't doing their job. Uh, Delvin Cook is not the same guy as he used to be or other. You know, I, I'm going to lean on more of the offensive line isn't doing its job because as an O-lineman, you know, we tell ourselves and we sit in the room and go, we don't care what they line up in. It's our job to generate push. It's our job to create holes. It's our job to not allow penetration and all of that. And if you, I mean, look at what Baltimore, look how Pittsburgh beat Baltimore last week. They're like, oh, Tyler Huntley, you can't throw the ball farther than eight yards down the field. We're going to play a six-man front, right? Like teams aren't doing that to us. Teams aren't saying, hey, we're, we're shutting down your run game, right? Like they're leaving boxes that are light. They're leaving open and they're just not generating enough push in my opinion. Um, and then on the other side, like, yeah, it's a pass first offense. So if you're going to rank these in order, I think it's O-line, pass-first offense, or O-line, pass-first offense, and then Dalvin Cook losing a step. Because when he does get in the space, he still looks fast. He still looks explosive. And I do think that he still has quite a bit of, of run left in those legs. You know, I think the thing is we never – tell me right now, Matt. Let me – I'll ask you this question. If you had gun to your head, what is the identity – for this run game of the Minnesota Vikings, because I've gone on this show and we've talked, it's pin pull, it's zone, it's wide zone. Like, I don't know. So in your opinion, you say, what is the bread and butter for the Minnesota Vikings run game? What is it? Can you imagine how terrifying that would be and how confusing? Like, <laughs> why are you putting a gun to my head to ask me about the identity of the run game? What do is it, wrong? Do it now. You know, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes when you like pull out of these uh, cliches, you're like, that's messed up, man. That's uh, that that's probably the most messed up one, and I've used it before myself. I don't know. I think I, I might pass it. on use that in the future. That that's one's fair. Just, that one's psychotic. That's uh, fair. That's fair. 
but at least it's not like a trick. I'm going to shove you in a locker, Matthew. Yeah. If you okay. can't tell me the identity of the Minnesota Vikings run game, I'm shoving you in this locker. Okay. Yeah. They don't have one. No, I mean, they, they use outside zone more than they use other stuff by the numbers. Uh, but are they like an outside zone team? And that was the thing that was always really honestly amazing to see when Gary was teaching that thing was the detail was remarkable. And it was, it was like watching, uh, you know, what's the sport where they dive in the pool and they flutter their legs or whatever. What's that? Oh, synchronized swimming. Yeah. In a way it was like synchronized swimming, watching those guys because they'd all be moving in unison and you knew exactly. And then the running back has three options. He hits it outside, he cuts it back up or he cuts it back. And it was like, everybody knew what they were doing with this. I don't know that they've accomplished that with the outside zone stuff. They, they call it something a little different, like a middle zone. zone. Yeah. So it's definitely not the same thing. Um, (laughs) There are offenses that run super effective out of the shotgun. They don't really do that. It really is like, Pass, 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 pass. Oh, it, it's been a while since we ran. Uh, anybody got a run thing? Uh, okay, like, uh, we have we done a gap thing in a while? Our guys can pull, right? Who cares? Like, it just, it just feels like there isn't much attention to detail. But I also think, too, that to my eye and the data backing this up, that the there's just that extra jolt that isn't quite there. And it's just physics it's biology it's reality of nfl of nfl running backs historically that that jolt that chris johnson one had once had when he ran for 2000 yards and the guy ran a 4-2 even though he's still crazy fast at top speed there's just something to that where i expect delvin cook to go around a guy and he doesn't get there and it's like oh that's kind of what he had to live on a lot. So I think it's all these factors and at least by the numbers. And I'm not saying that this is just the, the total gospel, but PFF has graded them as a fairly good run blocking team overall. But that can also mean like not losing. That doesn't mean that you're prolific or that you're like creating these huge gaps because I haven't seen that. But at least they're we know they're not horrendous. But I think that... I think that it's like a thing that they just don't care that much about in being a total pass offense. I also think it it would probably go to, if you can't find your identity, you're always searching for one. You're always searching for maybe this will work. Maybe that'll work. And how much actual time on task do you have on these things? You know, you, that's what training camp and OTAs are for. And, you know, I think that you're seeing teams that at the beginning of the year, are struggling to find their identity because of the lack of physicality between OTAs and training camp. And trust me, I'm all about taking some load off players, but it's also one of those things that if you don't put a ton of time on task into your details, like you said, of the run game, it just isn't going to look polished. And throughout the year, it's just like, we've talked, Hey, yeah, they ran gap and They ran inside zone. Hey, they threw some pin and pull in there, right? It's just, it's kind of spaghetti, you know, it's just mashed in there, throwing around and you have nothing to just lay down because I have yet to see this team take a team over on the ground. Right, like if you have a team and you have a an a lead, that's why I think teams have been able to come back on the Vikings at time because we haven't been able to just be like, all right, we have a fourteen point lead, we are going to go to this and we are going to run this over and over and over again. I mean, even look at what the Raiders were able to do to San Francisco or the San Francisco. Right, that team has been lights out against the run all season long and the Raiders just stuck with it stuck with it stuck with it and then they popped one and then they popped two there's just none of that for the Vikings a lot of it I think is just time on task and the other side of it is offensive coordinators panic when things don't work they go back to what is working which is throw the ball to 18 and then when that's not working I don't think KOC had a great answer of what to do next this yeah. week against the Packers yep. 
Yep. I think it was probably his worst coaching game overall, even starting out with the field goal and not going for it, which I, I, I wanted to have some understanding throwing a new center in there, but the new center comes in and then they run right behind him. Dude. Like, and they also did that with Austin Schlotman against Detroit. Again, it's like, it's like there's, it's like, he's got this huge menu. You ever gone to cheesecake factory? Long, oh yeah. my, oh my or, God. Or any like, Mexican restaurant ever. That, that <laughs> right. Oh yeah, I know that is a, that's a dictionary that you're looking through. But then he's got like one card that just says run. And he's like, that one. Like, <laughs> and it was like, like, okay, we want to run Delvin at the goal line here. Like that one, the one that goes right behind the guy who just came into the game. Like there was just, there's just like this. It's like uh, if you try to learn a new language and you get decent at it and you can sort of talk in it, but then you hear actual people speak Spanish or something, you're like, nowhere close. <laughs> like just, that's, that's like Kubiak versus O'Connell when it comes to the run game. It's like, yes, he understands the language, but not influently like this guy. And I think that's just made a difference for their offense. And it's mostly been because of Jefferson that we haven't had to talk about it a whole lot. But in that game, with that turf, that weather, that situation, it would have been great for them to have a running game to play off. And instead, like you said, once 18's taken away, I don't know what's next. And the NFL blueprints. The NFL, I promise you, the Bears are going to play the exact same. Now, they might not have the personnel to do it, but they're going to play the exact same scheme that Green Bay played against this team and see if we can beat man coverage and if we can run the ball into the light box. So what is your opinion, since it's like uh, one of the questions of the week about this week 18, they're going to play the starters. It's going to be Nathan Peterman, for God's sake. Why, why why does it have to be Nathan Peterman? I wanted to see Justin Fields run around, but instead it's going to be Nathan Peterman. Um, what's your feeling on that? First of all, I don't know how he's still in the NFL. And he gave me staff, so I have a lot of pain against Nathan Peterman. Oh. He threw an interception, and I had to make a tackle, and it got in my elbow. And so, mm, to you, Nathan Peterman. But, you know, I think after the performance that you had last week, as a player, you can't wait to get back out on the field. You know, so I think it's a good thing to play the starters in this game because you want to have confidence going into the playoffs, not I just got my teeth kicked in as you play before you go out in your next snap. And it's really easy to be like, yeah, brush it off, we're in the playoffs. But there's just something about getting that kind of off your back. And, and, and as bad as the Bears are, if you can go out there and beat up on this team a little bit and feel good about yourself as a player, individually, as a team, like I think that's more along the lines of why starters are playing versus like, yeah, the two seed's still in reach. Like, yes, it is, and you do need to win. But at the same time, like there's a bigger picture here to it that you can't have your last at bat be you struck out swinging and then expect to walk up and hit a home run the next time in, in football. Like that's probably a bad analogy because you can do that in baseball, but it's not how it works in, in football. You don't just all of a sudden turn the light switch on and everything gets fixed. That was a problem the week before. Yeah, you struck out, walked into the dugout, fell face first, and then uh, had a Gatorade thing fall on you is kind of what happened to them. You know what just sort of struck me here is this is a 12-win team that is going into the playoffs for the first time since 2019 after years of misery. And we've spent a lot of the season sort of waffling on, like, are they good? Is it going to keep up? Are they making you nervous like they were uh, a couple of weeks ago? And then that kind of came to fruition in Green Bay. 
it's 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 such a strange vibe to have for a team that has so many wins like i can't remember and of course you know i wasn't there covering every team that's 112 but usually when you get to this threshold like that's the super bowl threshold that's like your average super bowl team wins 12 sometimes somebody special and wins 14 or 15 usually that's kind of what it takes is somewhere between you know 11 and, and 15 or whatever 16 wins and yet the whole feeling coming out of that is just so down. And I guess there's a part of me that does not want to overreact to that specific part of it because of what happened in 2019. I would have bet you my soul they were going to get killed by New Orleans. I mean, I, I really thought that like they they were smashed by the Packers at home. Same sort of vibes. That time we thought people were getting fired and they just the one thing about Kirk Cousins is he is the most one game at a time human being I've ever seen in my life. Like he puts it behind him and he goes on to the next game. And that's sometimes his, his brain being wired the way it is, is good for them because it's like, he doesn't remember what happened the last week. So I guess I, I want to know like how much of a reaction we should have to this and, and how the vibe should be going into the playoffs. Cause I feel like that just, Talk about like a black cloud and coming in and raining on your parade. Um, because if they had won that game, it would have been like, okay, here they go on to yeah. the playoffs. And uh, instead it just sort of feels like, are they going to blow it? Yeah. I'm right there with you. You know, I'm really concerned about this team's ability to win in the playoffs. You know, it's everything we just laid on. We haven't even touched on the defense yet. You know, like that's another, it's been an issue all year, but it's starting to really raise its ugly head right now. And, you know, so I am I am 20% on if I think they win a playoff game, you know, and I hate even saying that. And, you know, they did just beat the Giants and it was a little bit of a Justin Jefferson magic at the end of the game to do it. And, you know, the Giants are going into the playoffs now. That's what's going to be. And, you know, I'm just really concerned about this ability, this team's ability to close out close games at the end. And I know that's crazy to say with how many that they have done this year, but it's just if everything doesn't go right, we just it's not a dominant football team i can't sit here and tell you that the minnesota vikings are a dominant nfl football team because they're not and i don't think anyone listening here is going to say you're stupid yes they are because no one believes that they are they're a very good football team that has had a lot of things go right for them but unless they're playing and they're hitting on all cylinders like it only takes a few things for us to go off the rails like you said a, a guy falls down or a kick return where we just don't have the ability to overcome multiple errors that happen throughout the game Right. And that's kind of the reason we look at the point differentials and things, because it's like over the accumulation of many games, how dominant are you is a pretty good indicator of where you have a chance to go when it comes to the playoffs. And if you're playing on the razor's edge all the time, sometimes you get cut. Right. I mean, yeah. that's just kind of how it's been for them uh, at times. And, you know, they haven't had these wins where you just can play easy either. And, and I've always thought this, too, that what a team goes through in a season with the way that they play, it does accumulate on them. Like eventually, and I would say this about San Francisco in 2019, it was a very stressful season. Diggs wanted out, like a lot of, you know, there were injuries and stuff happened. And, uh, you know, I thought that they just ran out of gas. And it's just hard to see that not happening here as much as you could talk yourself into how random the NFL is. I think as far as the first round goes, I put it much more at a coin flip. But even that is not being like super optimistic because you're the favorite. Like you're playing at home. It's Daniel Jones, more likely than not. And you're like, yeah, I guess I'm still going to go coin flip because that's how they played against the Giants the last time. So I, I understand it. I also think that 
it's just when it comes to the defense too, it's just a hard sell to be like, well, yeah, you could be the 31st ranked defense in points against and go to the Super Bowl. Like, I don't believe that defense is anywhere near as important as offense or predictive. That's just been proven. But you could be like 23rd and get on a hot run. I don't know if you can be 31st. And yet, at the same time, there is a part of me that wants to say, like, it's it, it's, it's just football. It's the NFL, and you just really don't know but you don't want to be in a place going to the playoffs where you're kind of saying, well, anything can happen. Yeah, that's the underdog. That's the underdog mentality, right? Anything can happen. We can come in here. We can beat this team. Like, And that's the issue with when you're not. You're supposed to be the 12-win juggernaut. You're supposed to be the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles, where it's like the team is coming into you like, if we don't play perfect, we're going to get killed. Right? If we don't play at to the highest level possible, this team's going to absolutely steamroll us. And when you play the Vikings, that's not the fear that you have. You have the fear of like, hey, let's drag this team into deep water and let's see what happens at the end. Right, And that's where the coin flip piece comes into play. And yes, they've been able to find ways to win at the end. And that's going to come and pay dividends in the playoffs at times. But when you get past the first round and you start playing the juggernauts, you're no longer the favorite by any means of any of those teams I just mentioned. If the Vikings lined up against any one of those teams I just mentioned, we'd be sitting here on the other side going, I don't know. I don't know. And that's just not a great place as a, as a fan you want to go. It's not a great place as a team that you want to be. And I promise you, no one on that team is dumb enough to think that they can just show up and win on Saturday, on Sunday. No one on that team is. You know, they understand the, the where they're at and where they're at as a football team. So they got to find a way to piece it all back together this week, which historically throughout this year, they've done a nice job rebounding from win- from losses. Um, you know, but we're going to find out a lot about this team on if they just come out and handle business this week, starters come out, play clean, play good, you'll feel better. But if they waver at all in this game, I'm going to be really, really concerned going into the playoffs. Okay, last question. Uh, I'm not going to do like a bleep, marry, kill thing with the <laughs> playoff teams that could be in, okay. but do something weird with them, though, like Seattle, Detroit, and Green Bay. Like, who are you afraid of? Whose jersey would you wear? And who has the best right guard? <laughs> I'm most afraid of the. Let, let's do the. I'm most afraid of the Green Bay Packers right now. You know, that is a team that. Watching them play the last five weeks, they've figured something out. Now, I will say Christian Watson is a massive reason as to why. And it's hard to be like, well, one player is like, well, Justin Jefferson, right? Christian Watson has changed Aaron Rodgers in that defense. A.J. Dillon being getting more carries now every single game has changed that offense. And then on defense, they're starting to get healthy again. No, they had a lot of injuries. Like I, I'd be really scared of the Green Bay Packers of a first round matchup, or even just running into them in the playoffs. Now, granted, you don't have to go to Lambeau, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's a helpful, that's a very helpful term for not to play them. You know, the team I, that I'd wear the jersey and not be super afraid of is the Seattle Seahawks. You know, they should have beat the Jets by thirty this weekend, but their inability to finish in the red zone is something that is going to come back to haunt them big time. You know, Geno Smith wasn't wasn't sharp. Walker wasn't breaking a bunch of tackles. You know, the Jets' defense kept them in that game, even though Mike White just completely pooped the bed. You know, so there, there's a lot of teams. That, the Seahawks are a team that I'm not super scared of. Um, the team that frightens me and gives me nightmares in the NFC is not the Eagles, but the San Francisco 49ers. 
because that defense, and I know that you say defense doesn't do a ton, but that is a smothering defense. Now, the Raiders got after him a little bit, and Jared Stidham looked like Peyton Manning at times, you know, but that's a defense that is a game-changing, ball-hawk, rip-away positions defense that that team can win on defense alone. You know, if there's one team in the NFL that I say, yeah, they can win a 9-7 to playoff game, it's that team. But then you look at them on offense and go, they're going to get Debo Samuel back. They have Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk. All of a sudden, Big Cock Brock has figured out that he wants to throw it to George Kittle. You know, like, they're they're putting it all together. They are the best team in the NFC right now by far. And Jalen Hurts is going to come back a little rusty. You know, he's going to be – he's not going to be as sharp. He's going to miss a few games when he comes back for the Eagles. So the Eagles are probably – Second least scary and second most scary, but right now it's 100% the San Francisco 49ers odds on favorite for me to win the NFC. And who's got the best right guard? Mm. Probably the Eagles. Landon Dickerson. Landon Dickerson's a really, really good right guard. And the fact that he got called on that holding penalty this last week made me want to reach through the TV screen and throttle that referee. That was as good as a pancake as you'll ever see, and they called a freaking holding penalty on it. I don't think anyone knows what holding is, including the referees. I mean... If you throw your arms out to try and make a tackle as a D lineman as you're getting driven three yards backwards, just do it, because they're going to throw holding. You might end up on your back, but then you're going to stand up and be like, holding holding and then you're going to go 10 yards backwards it's a it's it's so dumb but there are also games this year where i've thought there was about 18 holdings and the referees were just like we ain't calling it today we're just <laughs> like from crew to crew you have to play by different rules and that's another discussion for a different day so we will we'll forego love to see it hate to see it because of the uh, overall you know tenor of the nfl right now mm-hmm. but uh the how these matchups end up playing out will be something to see and uh you never know like things can change david blau is the guy the vikings will be cheering on their former teammate against san francisco we'll see how that uh works out jeremiah thanks so much for your perspective of course uh to start the show and for um everything along the journey with the offensive line and the running game and everything else we are almost there we are so close to an actual playoff game where we could go hardcore into it Uh, And then we will find out what happens. So thanks so much, man. Absolutely. See you guys next week.